Welcome to Not the Worst Pastors Podcast with my dad, Matt, and his friend, James, talking about real relevant things and sharing feelings. Welcome to Not the Worst Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor James Gomez serving Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, alongside Matt Coyne, who serves Rollins Church in Manton, Michigan. How are you doing this morning, Matthew? I'm doing great, James. How about you? I'm doing swell. You could say I'm swole, but I'm not. I didn't get up and go to the gym this morning. Mm. I failed. So all those resolutions, I didn't make a resolution to go to the gym. I just didn't bother. But I respect I that. didn't go. So <laughs> you respect my non-failure, but <laughs> it starts with an unwillingness to commit. <laughs> That's yeah. all good. Yeah. Speaking of failure, um, I mean, obviously, we've been talking about, um, you know, we were talking about football last week, a lot of football. And Oof. speaking of failure, uh, TCU kind of failed last night, huh? Big time fail. Uh, yeah. That's a nine. Let's see. Georgia scored nine touchdowns. Yeah. What was it? What would it be? 62 to seven. Actually, yeah, I think they actually, was it 62? 65? 60, 60. You're right. Yeah. 65. Yeah. I forgot that one field goal. Math. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, failures. Look at that. We're getting right into it today. We didn't even oh. mess around a minute and 18 seconds in. No messing around. Okay. So yeah. we're going to talk about failures. We're going to, in, in the idea of talking about memories. So we could talk about some good things along the way, but we're going to go That's after no this for a, a few, a few sessions, I think, um, because we actually have kind of a lot of material and this is going to be, a, well, I'm speaking for myself, man. Oh, okay. Um, you know, oh, I get a list. You you think you're a failure, but otherwise, I get a list. <laughs> and so I think we'll we'll share a few of these things, and they might be the most relatable content ever, <laughs> perhaps, because one of the things that we know for sure is that the, what's what the level playing field is to acknowledge that we're sinners, that we yes. struggle. So mm-hmm. everyone struggles, not everyone succeeds. So if we're going to talk about you know, and find some things in common. Well, talking about our failures is going to kind of do the trick. So Matt, I know that you have many failure stories uh, (laughs) from your, from your pastoral (laughs) life. I mean, you have one serious victory and, you know, Brittany and the, well, then more victories than the girls, but the, um, uh, we're going to talk about failures and you've got one right out of the gate. So why don't you go ahead and share the story with the world? Yeah, so I was 21, still in college. I got a position as little a youth. baby, baby Matt. Yeah, little baby, baby Matt. Matt. Um, I oh, got didn't a, even have a beard. Uh, no, I didn't. No, um, 21 years old uh, at a church in the Pittsburgh area. Got uh, hired there, as I said, as their youth director. So my first failure was I figured, you know what? I got the position. I'm just going to drop out of college. I don't need any more education. So failure number one, Mm. I dropped out of college because I thought I was good to go. Mm Short-sighted. Yeah. So failure number two was, um, let's just say I was not good. I'm still not good, but I was really bad at an administration, like really bad. Uh, I would forget meetings. I just decided not to show up to meetings. Um, I would literally show up like late for youth group that I was leading. Um, I was I was in a really good place in life. I mean, I was just I was excelling at all things. And so (laughs) I get a call from the pastor 
and he says, hey, Matt, uh, I really need you to be at the council meeting tonight. And I said, "Okay." so I'm about six months into this. Didn't even make it a year. Uh, uh, Maybe a little bit more in six months. I'll give myself I'll give myself the benefit. Um, (laughs) I literally he called me that morning. I said, oh, hey, I'll be there. I'll be there. Well, something came up with my friends. and I'm like, "Ah, I'm not going to go. And when I say something came up, something fun to go and hang out with my friends. So the next morning I show up and he calls me in his office. He goes, Matt, uh, I wanted you at the council meeting last night because we're letting you go. Uh, He said, you literally couldn't even show up to the meeting where we fired you. Oh, boy. I I know you've heard some of this. I don't think you've heard this. And I literally just stood him, sat in his office. I said, "I, I... I dropped out of college because I thought I was good to go. You can't fire me. He goes, you what? And I said, I thought I was good to go. He said, Matt, you got to get your priorities together. And I walked out that day and realized pretty quickly, okay, God, this isn't what you want for me. And um, I, you know how I am, James. I went into this self-deprecating season of life and uh, realized that, I was all wrong and I failed. And and then one day I just I was talking to a mentor and he said, Matt, you're taking this all wrong. He said, use this failure to move forward in life. So I uh, I did. And, you know, to this day, I mean, I've been in ministry. I mean, I took a couple years off because of that situation. And uh, so I'm about 14 years into it now. And um I will say I'm not great at administration, but James, we know that I take it very seriously now because of that situation. Yep. And um, yeah, I thank God for it, honestly, because if it wasn't for that situation, I I don't know where I'd be today. And I think my mentor is Rich Grassle. I know he's not listening, but he uh, he told me he said you you gotta you gotta button up your bootstraps. He didn't say it like that. Pull up your <laughs> bootstraps. Don't button up your bootstraps. Pull up your bootstraps and use this situation for good. All right. Well, yeah, you have told me about part of that story. I didn't really, I don't remember the <laughs> the meeting part. I remember you telling me that you had been fired basically for being late yeah. or like, oh, for just always habitually late yeah. and you couldn't get your stuff together, which really surprised me because you are now a person who is always <laughs> on time uh, to the point and you you know this where yep. like if we're, if we set a meeting time uh, when you were living in Sturgeon Bay in particular, uh, so two o'clock in the afternoon meeting time, I'd be in my uh, and you're going to come see me. So it's uh, one fifty eight. I'm like, wow, Matt won't be here for two more minutes. And one fifty nine, and I start walking to the door because I know if I have to let you in or something, I'm going to meet you at the door. And I'm looking at my phone. Boom, two o'clock, boom, you're around, you're coming around the corner. You're literally 10 feet from me. That's how precise you became I, uh, well, I remember along the line. <laughs> when I visited Door County last summer, you I remember you walked to the door. You're like, oh, I knew you were going to be there. And I was. But it was because of that situation. Um, you know, I know when Brittany and I first met, uh, there was a joke in Brittany's family of Brittany time that she was always late. And I told her, I was like, Brittany, that's not going to work. I said, I, I have to be early. <laughs> I, I said, we got to work on this. And she realized that I was serious. I mean, I, I it, and I know it's that self-conscious thing, but you know, I do not like to be late. Um, 
you know that saying when you're when you're on time you're 15 minutes late but either way yeah yeah you're just a very timely person at this point so i mean i guess what there's going to be a a moral to every story if you're looking for one and some of them are going to be a little more cliche but i mean literally the, the the very problem that you had as a 21 year old young man is it became you you fixed it Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, and I don't think you're like a jerk about it now, but you you prioritize it because you know how damaging it was when you weren't that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I realized yeah. how selfish it was too. You know, when when you're late for something and you're leading it, especially everybody's waiting for you. How selfish that is, you know, to mm-hmm. say my time is more valuable than your time. And even when you're not leading it, you know, for a meeting of seven to ten people. Well, we got to wait for Matt to show up before we can start so we don't have to start over. We got to wait for Matt. How selfish that was for me to say my time is more valuable than yours. You're going to all wait for me. All right. And it hit me pretty hard. <laughs> and yep. I will always remember that feeling. Good call. And I guess this I'm not going to turn this into a longer story for myself, just a little story, but um I would be on the more often later side, but as a pastor now i i have definite times when i'm later and definite times when i am absolutely right on time there's no mm-hmm. question about it um worship stuff all right on time i mean i'm done i'm a procrastinator so i'm still like scrambling right before but we start the worship service on time uh meetings on time so on if i'm going to go visit somebody that's where it's all out the window yeah. Um, I will be I will be late. Well, there's five, ten minutes late, no question about it. And I don't really know why that is, but I'm just like scrambling to finish stuff up in the office, have that last conversation. Somebody else stops in, and you know, I don't want to just be super rude to that person. So I just have the five minute conversation and then go. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's a definitely a shortcoming on my part, but uh it hasn't gotten me fired yet. So I feel but, okay about that <laughs> but i think the reasoning like you said you don't want to short change someone for you know for they want to come and talk to the pastor and and i still so i now struggle on the other side of that where you know i will i know i have to go somewhere and somebody walks into my office and in the inside i'm like oh no i'm gonna be late <laughs> uh-huh. and this person literally needs a heart-to-heart talk and i'm in the you know, I'm looking up at my clock up on the wall. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And I got to remember, you can go too far the other way, too. And mm-hmm. so that's my struggle, I would say. Yeah. And probably in that situation and in similar similar situations for me, being honest with the person and saying, I'm sorry, I, I, I would like to talk with you. Let's let's take the next two minutes yeah. to set up a time. But right now I have made a commitment to somebody else. So mm-hmm. I want to honor that. So maybe that's a good way to do it. Oh, you know, I'm 48 years old. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I'll figure some good things out at some point. Yeah, I mean, but I'm literally still figuring out. I, I have my handwritten to-do list next to me. That That's another failure we'll have to talk about. That, again, 14 years into this, I'm still figuring out an effective to-do list. Mm. Uh, everything. I've tried everything from my phone to my iPad to a a journal to a planner to literally what I'm doing now. This is the longest I've gone with this. I'm going on about two months of this. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, well, you can always just do what I do and just keep it all locked 
away right in your little noggin. And then you just forget half of it. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> I did. I've done that for years. I, I have a terrible memory. But when it comes to stuff like that, even Brittany will admit, she's like, you never forget meetings. You never forget where you're supposed to be. You're so good at that. And when I first arrived here at Rollins, I forgot a meeting. And mm. I let that tear me apart for, I mean, I literally annoyed Brittany like two weeks later. I'm like, I can't believe I forgot. The-. She's like, would you shut up? She didn't say that, but <laughs> she probably, uh, did. No, she probably did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, yeah, that, that's another thing. So I just realized my mind is not what it used to be. <laughs> so, all right. Well, all right. I'm going to go into a little story of my own here. Um, I would call this one of the more, uh, it's embarrassing to me because of how I acted. Uh, and it was a, a level of immaturity that I have not managed to replicate, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it lasted for, for years and that was tough. And I wasn't like super young anymore. So when I, uh, I served a parish in, in Minnesota as that good shepherd Lutheran, uh, in Glencoe, Minnesota, and a parish of, I don't know, 600, 700 people. I was the only pastor, but they had a a little bit of a history of having a, a youth pastor, or in our tradition, it's a director of Christian education. And that person, um, you know, oversees typically the education um, programs and ministries of the church, and maybe also youth groups and and so on. Well, um Okay, so that, that that's kind of the, paves the paves the way here. So there was a church secretary. Her name was Marjorie uh, Hemmen, and um, and when we first started working together, we did very well. Um, I think that things went fine. Um, it was when we started, um, you know, when there was another person in the office. Uh, her name was Kim, and Marjorie and I at the time at that time started butting heads a lot more. Um, there was just, it was one thing after another, and we just never could find some level of agreement on on how we should be. I, I thought that she was, I'm not even going to get into specifics, but she was a certain way and she wasn't going to change. And while there, and there were some good things about that, but there were certain things that she just wasn't going to change. And there were, and I, and I'm the pastor, so I'm not going to change. She's the long-term secretary. She isn't going to leave. Well, I'm the called worker. That's the term in our in our uh, mm-hmm. denomination. I'm the called worker. Well, you have to like. And I had this bullheadedness about me, and so I spent more time talking with the the youth worker, uh, this uh, this Kim, and finding that I was pushing Marjorie more and more out of the no like and she needed to know stuff mm-hmm. so that that did not go well for the office and i talked with our elders our deacons as they called them there and i was like we got to resolve this somehow and i don't know if marjorie's going to retire or not but maybe she should because this is not working out super well um to kind of speed the rest of this up i really kind of had to come to the end of myself uh, somebody stopped in the office yesterday and said that once he found 
like he was he was at the end of himself and guess what there he found god and mm-hmm. that's typically what happens when we fill our lives up with who we are and what we want then we're only going to find our own shortcomings so i had to kind of come to the end of myself and um realize that marjorie really wasn't she wasn't out to get me i mean she loved the church she loved her job and she uh wanted to love me and i was just being too dang difficult um, mm. to, to, to have that place in her heart or her life. And, um, we had a lot of tears to reconcile mm. that. Um, and I don't think that she did anything like wrong, wrong. Like there was no sin involved, um, on her end, um, except for maybe not pursuing reconciliation, but you know, I, that was a bigger issue on my part. I had the uh, the lead role. I was the pastor. So all the things that I was saying, I'm the pastor, you need to, that was like the least pastoral thing that I probably have ever done. And it was, I needed to lead by example and be the one who, who sought, well, who sought forgiveness, but sought to forgive and sought my own repentance over yeah. the way that I mistreated um, Marjorie and probably a bunch of other people in, in the, in the, in the process. Um, so I know I didn't give a lot of details and that's kind of okay, but it was just really one of those things that now it's 15 years later and or so, yeah, 13, 14, whatever. And I, I remember it. I have learned from it. And one of the the helpful pieces was Wes Olson. Uh, he was the church uh, custodian, uh, but he also was uh, a prior law enforcement guy. He gave me the idea of, you know, you're not going to really make any headway. Uh, you can't, how do you phrase it? It was about basically about like a banking system. If you don't invest in her, there's nothing to draw from, mm. you know, later on. So you're just, you're trying to draw from an empty bank account when you don't have a relationship with that person. I've used that many times over the years. I was going to say, I use that many times. I think we should send that janitor, Wes, a fruit basket or something. (laughs) Because you and I, I don't know why, but you and I use that term all the time. Brittany uses it. I I love that metaphor. It's such a good one. Yeah. I mean, it works for me. It helps me help me retain some of that information. Yeah. Um, so it, when I came to start work at, at Prince of Peace here, I thought about that a lot with my current secretary. I mean, we don't, I mean, we don't see eye to eye on absolutely everything. We're not in lockstep in terms of how we want to do ministry. And so we have discussions, but we really don't have any knockdown dragouts because I'm not interested in that. I don't yeah. want to one up her. I want to work alongside her and I want her to be involved in the ministry, even as a secretary. And I, I mean, I, I try to listen. Do mm-hmm. I still fly off the handle like a doofus? Yeah, once in a while. But she's forgiving, so I'm I thankful for that, too. That. But also, I admit that stuff to her, and I say, you know, Darlene, I know I can be this way. And she doesn't really say, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she just kind of goes, hmm. Yeah, maybe (laughs) she's thinking maybe you are so stop it you doofus Uh, but so that i I know that took a little that took a little while to come out of my mouth but thanks no i i I appreciate you sharing that i i mean your administrator is 
one of the best I've ever worked with. I was so excited when she like was excited last summer when I was there. She goes, Matt. I was like, oh, yep. <laughs> so yeah. that, but well, that's a good. She, oh, good. I'm she, sorry. she she knows how with that we're friends and she knows how much joy you bring to my life i mean oh. i know that sounds kind of cheesy but don't cry don't cry oh don't no, cry. it's too late oh you're crying again <laughs> and so she she gets excited because she knows that i'm probably excited that you're in town too yeah so well, that's nice yeah. yeah but you learned from that how not i mean not to put it in little so little words but how not to be a jerk and now, how not to let that power sometimes <laughs> to let that power get to your head. I think that's that's a great example of those failures that and as you said at the beginning of this, this is all for there's a moral to each story. Right. And I mean, aren't the morals of all these stories you want to learn from our failures? I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly that's exactly what I mean. I mean, that's what we're going to I think for for healthy Okay, this is this is going to sound a little prideful, but I mean, I but it's an example for other people for healthy, um, semi semi well balanced uh, people, uh, mature as a maturity level here. You do learn because wow. if you aren't those things, then you just keep wallowing in the misery mm-hmm. of your failures. That gets you nowhere, and it gets no one. It gets other people nowhere either. Yeah. So, it seems like the better thing is is to deliberately, intentionally. Um, actively learn from your mistakes, make the changes, make the changes, admit you were wrong and that you could have been better all along, but you're too bullheaded to be it. Yeah. So, well, you know, we were just talking to our girls last night. They were, they they were having some trouble and you're going to be shocked by this being a little mean. And uh, we told them, we said, you need to ask for forgiveness. And I use this quote all the time, but Daniel Tiger, says saying i'm sorry is the first step then how can i help but that little puppet it gets it right on like you You, have you you know there's a person behind the puppet right don't tell me that um (laughs) but to go to say i messed up i fell short i am so sorry how can i make this better that's what we're called to do as Christians. Money, and, money makes it better. <laughs> Pay up, dude. No. Um, but so I think, you know, for us in these two examples we gave today is, you know, for me, I learned how selfish I was being, that I was valuing my time over everybody else's. And God made it very clear to me that it's not about you, Matt. Mm-hmm. It's not, none of it is about you. And that's what I learned. Okay. And so, yep. Yeah. And I think for me, it was about, um, what does leading look like? And one is not dominating or domineering. That's mm-hmm. not what leadership is. That's not what a shepherd is or a pastor is. Yeah. And, you know, to um, the the role of Christ, he came to serve. So why should I seek anything mm. beyond that yeah. but to serve? That's good. So, yeah. So should that... That that's a that's enough for one whole podcast. I think I that's say. good. Oh, we got so many more failures. We'll talk more on the next episode. Yeah, it'll be great to talk about yeah. miserable times in our lives for several weeks. Yeah, we I'm got excited. it. We got this. All right, this has been not the worst pastors podcast, episode twenty two, and we'll see you next week. See you.